0: Wow. You're going to like this. Oh, no, I'm not. Because there is no goddamn middle.
1: This is not unlike ancient Rome, by the way.
0: Not so much the family circus. (laughs) Yeah. When I, did, when I did Mary Shelley, I had the same issue with necromancy.
1: A lot of them yeah. wanted to create self-sustaining farms and got into crystals.
0: I know! Okay. I understand that. And,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I'm reading Livy, uh, who is a shitty historian.
0: Because eerie guy
1: Others say that because Laurentia's body was common to all the shepherds around, she was called a she-wolf. Which is a Latin term for whore. You were audible last season. It just, most of it was you slamming the table.
0: As, as <laughs> the, the, the Romanists at the table. Well, duh. Yeah. Obviously. Ipso facto. Right. You know, to engage in a little dog Latin.
1: You have a sword rat.
0: The real world. My name is Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history and English teacher here at the middle school level in Northern California. And earlier this evening, I had my opportunity—I had an opportunity rather—to chaperone my second uh, middle school dance at my current site. And I—I um, I can tell that I am learning the ropes of this job uh, because this time. I was wise enough not to actually spend any time in the gymnasium where it was being held. I uh, managed to attach myself to people who had tasks outside of the building. Um, I still got to listen to all of the music quite clearly, um, but um, I was also able to hear at the end of the evening. Uh, which was a delightful change from last time. <laughs> so you know the little things you learn uh, as as you you move into a new position somewhere. So um, yeah, that's that's my big piece of news. How about you?
1: Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin and U.S. history teacher up here in Northern California. Um, and let's see, the big news for me is actually similarly related. Um, I found my box of earplugs. So when I went to the rally last, um, Mm. I was able to actually sit in there and enjoy watching the kids show off and and basically have fun. Uh, And I did not have the old man ringing ears. So I strongly suggest you invest in one of those buy a box of them for 50, you know, buy a box of 50 for 14 bucks.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Go to a sporting goods store, go to the shooting mm-hmm. section, and, yep. and get them from there. Like, and there you go. Yeah. Money very well spent. Very well
0: spent indeed, yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I had a lot of fun in episode 187 uh, yeah. when we talked about more heroes that aren't and more villains that aren't. And, and yes, kind of, I still have more to say Um. And I kind of want to come when don't you When don't I Good when point. when
0: don't when doesn't either <laughs> one of us. I mean, really, True. for that matter.
1: True. Um, but yeah, but I kind of want to dive back in. Um, OK, you ready for another. And I know that like we went from like, I want to say episode. Sixty two. Yeah, to, to we like went episode one thirty two or no, we, we, we went did, a I'm sorry, very long time. One thirty four and then one sixty two and then one eighty seven. Yeah. And here we are in this episode. Uh I don't even think this episode is going to crest the 200 range yet. And I want to kind of come back to it. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, well, you know, um I think I think it'll leaven the the overall tone of this, if you want to call it, season. Yeah. Uh yeah. of the podcast. Uh, I think we uh did so yeah.
1: season's so long ago. Yeah, yeah, we,
0: yeah but <laughs> but you know. All right. But yeah, I'm 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 down. Let's do well, it.
1: I've got one cuz it is Somewhat timely, even for the fact that we try not to be timely. Yeah. Um, because as of this recording, I believe the final season of walking dead is starting. Um, they're finished. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: There are, there are several directions this could go from, Mm -hmm. from that. So, okay.
1: So here is a hero who isn't. Oh, Rick Grimes. (laughs) This fucking guy. I swear to God. Um, I love the convention of he wakes up from a coma to a world that's vastly different from the war- one that he went into the coma in. Yeah. Um, because we pity him. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we get to learn the world with him. Yeah. And so we don't need all the answers cause he doesn't need all the answers. He just needs to, you yeah. know, figure yeah, out yeah. how to walk. Um, don't dead open inside, you know? That oh kind yeah. Nothing. Nice. Um, nice. yeah. Um, so yeah, we feel pity for him. It's it's amazing that he actually managed to survive at all cuz um he and I don't mean like those first 10 minutes cuz yes, that's also amazing, but um he's acting in a moral, reasonable, unselfish way when he awakens too. Um and and no yeah. denying that, right? And every decision he makes in this brave new world of like everybody's infected. He doesn't even know everybody's affected yet, but there's zombies mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah. He anguishes over his decisions that he makes um that end up affecting the first few groups of people he spends time with. Yeah. I'm fine with that. He is a moral character. Um but and there is a huge but here. When he reunites with his partner and his wife and his son and a bunch of folks who've gathered together he immediately assumes a leadership position despite being the least qualified person to be in the leadership. He doesn't know the world. And he usurps Shane's position of power as leader of the group. Shane has been the one who's been there the whole time and kept everybody alive. Um, but he he subverts him and and everything that Shane has done to keep everyone alive during these uncertain times there's nothing wrong with what Shane was doing at this point. Now, I don't know if you've seen the first episode mm-hmm. of the walking Dead. Okay. Yeah. So you, you remember um, it, that Shane, he's making them keep the fire down to the embers. There are no yeah. blazes, yeah. no yeah. noises. Like he is, you know, go off yeah, the buddy yeah. system. Um, In fact, at this point, there's nothing wrong with what Shane is doing. Um, not even a moral issue. Uh, In fact, it could be argued that Shane doesn't start doing wrong by other people until his position is inexplicably cut out from under him by his ignorant to the world usurper of a friend who literally has nowhere near the experience that Shane does. And to me, that's the crux of who Rick Grimes is. He is the usurper of whatever system is in place, no matter how well it works, everywhere he goes. Every single society he interacts with doesn't fit his particular morality, which may well be outdated, and it leads to the death of that society as it stood. So Shane's camp, right, in the quarry. First thing he does with the survivor camp is to upend it completely and insist that they go to the CDC when he has absolutely no idea what has survived or what has collapsed. Not let's make a scouting mission, not I will go and explore and I'll report back. Um, Just we should all go. And the result is the survivors camp gets disheveled. uh, Half of them go away. And then the CDC gets blown up. Okay. In the second season, they invade a farm and absolutely upend the order that Herschel has set up there. And this is where Shane absolutely flips out, uh, which is precipitated by Rick's insistence that he's the leader, not Shane, in this new world. Again, despite a total lack of qualification. Rick ends up killing Shane after refusing to hear Shane's side of things and getting more people killed. And then they leave the farm behind, having torched it, taking stragglers along with them. And if I recall correctly, he even says to the group that they will do what he says because this is not a democracy. Yeah. Which I'm cool with it's not a democracy. I get that. Um, You you absolutely need like some total control here to keep people alive. You want to be in our group, you got to do it this way but you're still applying old world morality otherwise which was based on a democracy and a social construct or a contract that that depended on it. So okay. That's the end of season 2. Uh then okay. they end up in a prison which yeah. he invades, pushes yep. aside the inhabitants and annexes their members, which just going to say white southern guy with a yeah. badge and a gun. Yeah, well,
0: yeah, and and then he yeah. uses
1: that prison as a base to invade a nearby town. Eventually, so upsetting the order of that place that it collapses and absorbs those people into his prison society. And I'm not saying, and and I don't know how far you got into it, but this is where he's fighting with the governor.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I am Quit familiar with the comic oh. plot line. Okay, at the point of encountering the governor and okay. that whole conflict. Sure. The TV show. Not as much. Okay. Well, the um, governor
1: is running a city, and they have, like, gladiator fights in front of zombies. Uh, and the zombies are kind of within reach. And it's, mm-hmm. it's gross and terrible. And I'm not even saying that the governor is playing with a full deck or morally good as a person. But during an unstable time, he built a stable town. Yeah. And same for the guys in the prison. They had something stable going there. Same thing for Herschel's farm, same thing for Shane's survivor camp, same thing for the guy in the CDC. Eventually, Rick runs into the cannibals at Terminus and the roving band of claimers. And there's some truly awful, awful people involved here. They're cannibals. There's the the claimers are, are rapists. But they basically get the same treatment as other not so bad people that Rick has run into. So Mm. he is just willy nilly destroying everything he runs into. And for Rick, it's all the same. If they don't fit his vision of how things should be based on what he upheld prior to his coma, he's going to burn it the fuck down. This is even when they get to a town called Alexandria, where you had an elected official who actually like was rebuilding a town and her husband was this engineer and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Alexandria was working great until they meet Rick. He even has a plan for an insurrection. Should his bad behavior get him banned? Instead, everyone is distracted by an accidental murder and Rick gets to kill the guy in front of everybody. And and even then he's not satisfied. He annexes the place. He redirects what they're doing to fit his vision. Um, And then comes the conflict with the saviors, uh, which is like the Negan group and stuff like that. And Rick recruits and Hector's multiple groups into joining him. Uh, shifting the power and the alliances in the region. Again, mm. the saviors are not good people, but this all fits with his prior patterns. Every little bit of it. He even forces Oceanside to surrender their weapons to him since they refuse to fight. Kingdom, Hilltop, and Alexandria all suffer mightily in this war, and when all is said and done, many are killed who would not have been. And I'm not saying their lives were great, but being dead sucks a lot more than being alive most of the time. Mm. And then instead of doing what everyone demands he do by killing Negan, he imposes his own morality on all the groups, all but sundering the alliances that he forced into being. And he keeps Negan alive. Now, Mm -hmm. the proof that he is the disrupting agent is when he goes away, he gets, he, he gets absented. Um, I think he gets kidnapped by Janus, um, and people on a helicopter. um, people actually find their own balance but it's also forever stained by his decisions because um people are kind of sticking to what he wanted on some levels and on others they're kind of adjusting but everybody everywhere is trying to find ways to deal with the problems and yet his stain is kind of just you know infected everything Mm -hmm. they only fight defensive wars when he's gone they make treaties with nomadic sickos who are called the the whisperers and these are people Mm. that pretend to be Mm. zombies in fact while rick is gone everybody struggles a lot less without a morality that's imposed upon them they all seem to find their guidance from within even negan has a self-reflective time and he comes to a greater peace within himself everybody starts to be a lot more practical about things rick Mm. is the walking dead he brings death everywhere he goes. He disrupts the lives of everyone around him, and he refuses to let go of the old world and forge the new one. In other words, he's already died. The world he upheld was an unjust world, and instead of creating a new just world, he plunged everyone into the death that he was bringing with him. So he is not a hero. He is a villain.
0: Okay. Um, I, I totally follow the train of thought. Mm-hmm. I have an alternative kind of concept.
1: Is Shiva destroyer of worlds?
0: Well, there's that. Yeah. Um, but not where I was going. <laughs> what if he's Gulliver? Go on. So, um
1: He doesn't pee on anybody to put him out.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, there's that. But <laughs> you know, Gulliver um winds up in Lilliput and then Giganta mm-hmm. and then the land of the Winims And he does not directly act on those societies, but in every one of those societies, he winds up bringing the, the point of view of an Englishman from his time period. Sure. Which then has, disruptive effects of whatever kind like I mean he, he sounds like completely... colonialism to be honest yeah well yeah, yeah. but he he <laughs> completely yeah he he like just you know completely fucks Lilliput up entirely uh, which is the part of the story most everybody's familiar with but then he winds mm-hmm. up in Giganta where roles are reversed physically and he still winds up being kind of an agent of chaos then he winds <laughs> up in the land of the Winnems, which is uh, a a satire on um uh, both academia and highfalutin philosophy and on um nobility and uh bureaucracy like going kind of after all the once. elite yeah. yeah um and and in every and in every place gulliver shows up and he is not trying to cause trouble but he winds up doing it mm-hmm. Now, in Rick's case, he's not trying actively to to um, hurt things, but he is bringing his own point of view and, and insisting upon it. Well, yeah, and insisting yeah. upon it, and you know, um, yeah, I don't having having pointed out the parallel. The 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 insisting upon it is I think where the dividing line lies. Yeah. 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 I, and, I would say though that your parallel well, we still talk about colonialism.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say your parallel absolutely brings it into colonialism yeah. slash yeah. manifest destiny.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So anyway. All right. That's that's my first one. Who you got?
0: Okay. Um, so my first one is um a a pair of heroes. Who aren't, and I, I made mention of them in a, in a different episode.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and here, um, I'm kind of going to rip them apart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Peregrine 2 can marry a Doc Brandybuck.
1: Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: so they are supposed to be uh, a pair of young men who show deep loyalty and resilience in the face of hardship. Mm-hmm. Uh, they volunteer to join the Ring Quest uh, to help out their cousin Frodo. Right. They're the uh, boys they,
1: that went to sign up as pals down yeah, at the draft yeah, office. The, yeah.
0: And uh they wind up being witnesses to crucial moments in the in the War of the Ring. Right. Uh they they wind up um you know, um let's see. Uh Pippin uh winds up nearly getting getting killed by Denethor and right. Mary is there when uh the witch king is defeated. And then and then travels to the Black Gate and is there at the Battle of the Morinon.
1: Who do you think had it harder?
0: Oh, the two of them?
1: Yeah. Not who was in more peril, but who had it harder.
0: Who who had who had a more difficult time? Yeah. Oh that's a man, that's a tough question. Um I think having to deal with Denethor. Yeah. Makes for makes for a pretty shitty time. Yeah, um, I was thinking
1: Pippin ain't easy.
0: Yeah, fuck. God damn it. Good evening, sir. Son of a bitch. That's god damn it. So so you know the the intent what we're we're supposed to think of these of these two young men Mm -hmm. is that you know they are they're you know uh well-meaning upstanding you know young men from good families um and and there's there's supposed to be approbation we're supposed to feel you know uh proud of them and and their journey is one that is that is you know symbolic of of the growth uh, and development from youth into adulthood and and the thing is they're actually both a pair of upper class stoner twits like <laughs> yeah they they are yeah. not they're they are not are. villains like i'm i'm not i'm not going to try to say that either one of them is a villain Okay. But but they are they are a pair of upper class stoner twits. We literally first meet them in the middle of commission of felony trespass. They they Oh, they're they, stealing they, mushrooms, right? Yeah, they ha- yeah. they have literally, they have literally left positions of significant privilege. Mm-hmm. Remember that both of them are scions of very important hobbit families with yes. lots of property. They are from Uh, bilbo and frodo's uh social stratum Mm -hmm. within hobbit society they're Mm -hmm. they are they are gentry you know uh but what are they doing for kicks they're they're going out into you know farmer maggots field and and stealing shit they're they're committing crop theft Mm -hmm. uh which i mean you can argue what's what's the value of mushrooms on the street depending on the kind of mushrooms sure it's it's you know petty theft but still there are a couple of rich kids out committing petty theft for thrills right. and you know i was
1: going to say mushrooms. they can afford the goddamn mushrooms
0: yeah, they can pay for them right. You know, precisely right um and uh they they wind up you know they they kind of join frodo um almost like they're going on a leisure hike yeah like like oh you, it's wednesday sure i'll join you oh yeah what's it yeah. Yeah, sure we'll come along you know um and i mean they, they very quickly you know kind of realize they're in over their heads but it never it doesn't quite it 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 gets through to them that they're in over their heads but they never quite stop being twits pippin particularly right um has a problem with this which is why i frequently say on my good days i'm i'm marion on a bad day i'm i'm uh, pippin <laughs> um but you know pippin literally literally fucks up twice putting the whole party in danger.
1: Mm-hmm. He's the one who so, knocks the uh, armor down the
0: well. Yes, right? he's he's the one who not not armor. No, no. No. No, it's a corpse. A fallen dwarf. That's he, what it is. He because he can't keep his fucking mitts to himself, he's got to he's got to, you know, fart around with the arrows sticking out of the dead body right. of a fallen dwarf. Like, come on, have some respect for the dead, you little twit. Um, he winds up causing an armored dwarf corpse to fall down a well uh sent basically awakening the balrog let's not right. lie right right uh so so literally gets gandalf killed it's only because you know gandalf is you know a cheat as a living cheat code yeah uh that that he manages to come back and then later on again he can't keep his mitts to himself he's like a fucking toddler like i just wanted to look at it do you have to look with your fingers <laughs> Don't touch shit. When the wizard tells you to leave the bundle with the, with the possessed crystal ball in it alone, leave it the fuck alone. How old are you five? Yeah. So, you know, um, and, and by doing that, you know, uh, uh, Aragorn and Gandalf figure out kind of how to recover from that. Right. But still it's a dipshit move that very nearly gets everybody killed. Yes. And you know, then they wind up in in the, they get sent in different directions uh, because Gandalf is like, "You're too dangerous to be left on your own. You're fucking coming with me. I have to keep you, literally within <laughs> right. arm's length." And he right. brings Pippin along with him, uh, who then you know shows up and then gets made squire to Denethor, to which to which Gandalf is like, "Well, yeah, congratulations. You got yourself. Yeah. You managed to get yourself promoted above your level of competence." yet again uh-huh. fuck wit right um and then mary uh winds up going with with the rest of the group to rohan mm-hmm. uh where he winds up getting himself uh squired to theoden uh and then and then winds up being there when theoden is killed by the by the witch king and the witch king is then in turn slain right um and then you know um, let's see. Of the two of them, then uh, Pippin very nearly winds up getting set on fire with Faramir, mm-hmm. uh, and fortunately, Faramir and Pippin manage to get get saved from that. Right. Um, and then, uh, while Merry is lying in the Houses of Healing recovering from the the death aura of the fallen Witch King, uh, Pippin winds up going to the Moranon Gate. And, uh, you know, nearly gets killed by having a troll fall on him, Mm -hmm. uh, in death. And then, um, so after that's all over, uh, they, they head back to the Shire and, um, they wind up then returning to positions of social standing and everybody talks about how lordly they are. And they wind up essentially being semi-feudal uh you know, rulers. Not rulers, but you know, high high ranked. Civic members. leaders though. They're, they're yeah, they're they're yeah. they're in they're in positions of, of of civic standing.
1: They're the ones that like fight off Sauron or Saruman and Worm Tongue, right?
0: They yes, they are yeah. they're instrumental in the books, they're instrumental in in driving off uh Sharky and, and Wormy. Mm-hmm. Um but they they still wind up uh, in in you know as you say positions of civic leadership, kind of having fallen backward into it the whole way along the ring <laughs> quest. Yep, and like they are emblematic of everything that's wrong with nepotism in 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 an advanced society. Yeah, like in the end they get they get back to the they get they return to the shire. And they have the opportunity to divest themselves of their, and their families of, of their of their one percenter status. They could, you know, do things to, to try to, you know, improve the, the standard of living in the Shire. We don't, we don't hear about them doing any of that. They just, you know, strut around in their old uniforms like, you know, veterans who can't let go of their service time. Right. So yeah, subject. um yeah. They're 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 upper class twits. Okay. They're not they're not heroes, they're just they're upper class twits. Okay. They're and who aren't. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Heroes who aren't. So they're that's that's my that's my first entry.
1: Okay. Well, I've I've got another one. Um okay. and I have to tread lightly with this one um because she might be the first woman on my list. And I don't want to come off, off misogynistic, but, but this is definitely a hero who isn't. Okay. Um, Jenny from Forrest Gump.
0: I don't. I don't think you need to tread too terribly gently. Okay. I'm. <laughs> so I, I don't. I don't think there are very many people who watch that film who carried terribly sympathetic feelings for. See.
1: And I'm going to try to thread that needle because I I do want to show sympathy for, I mean, she, yeah. Okay. So at no point after her childhood does she not treat him as a means to an end. So I'm going to leave her childhood alone. Okay. uh, Other than to say she was raised with horrifying abuse and it definitely pushed her into the realm of repeating that abuse. And therapy absolutely was not really a thing through most of Forrest Gump's uh, time. Uh, but uh, Jenny still used her childhood uh, where rather, she used her childhood connection with Forrest to manipulate him multiple times. Um, as an adult, she blurs the lines of friendship, uh, not really obtaining his consent in the process, by the way. Now, again, I'm gonna try to, you know, thread a needle here. She's beautiful. Um, and I've been brought to speechlessness by a bared breast before as well.
0: Okay, yeah, fair.
1: But she's transgressing on the friendship without crossing any ethical lines by doing that, I'm going to say. Okay. So she bears her breast to him in, in the dorm room, um, brings him to uh, orgasm, uh, okay. by, I think, letting, her, letting him touch her breast. Mm -hmm. Um, again didn't really secure his consent but it was the 1960s and i think that men had the ability to stop things if they didn't want to do them um now he was of diminished capacity i don't want to say he was Mm -hmm. incapable of giving consent Mm -hmm. um but it's it's a smudging of of a gray area there um certainly okay. transgressing on the friendship um i'm i'm going to yeah. not take off points for ethics okay um now he goes off to boot camp shortly after that and yeah. she gets expelled from school because it's the united states in the 1960s and a woman owning her own sex is unacceptable in most forms. yeah um while he is on leave from boot camp um, Forrest tracks her down to a strip club where she's finally playing music for an audience uh, he ends up interrupting her set to beat up some very handsy customers uh, which gets her fired um, she didn't ask for that uh, and their whole relationship is frankly a problem to be honest uh, because he's doing the savior shit and then she gets mad at him for it Um, and she doesn't really ask him to, to rescue her and then she'll transgress in some way too so yeah just it's but outside the club she scolds him for trying to protect her cool he admits for the first time that he loves her uh but she rebukes his claim and and says she doesn't uh believe that Forrest is capable of knowing what love is and if that's your view on the man then maybe don't let him touch your tit maybe um and that right there calls into question the, the the night in the dorm right yeah um and her entire treatment of him afterwards. Yeah. So from there, she literally flees him by hitching a ride from a stranger in a pickup truck. Like, not only do you not know what love is, but I'm going to go spend time with this stranger instead of with you. Um. Now, before leaving, before she leaves, he does tell her uh, he's going to Vietnam. It's this whole other country. And she leaves. Um. She tells him to be safe and she leaves. Uh, she's in for some really hard times. She ends up homeless, drug-addled and involved in a number of different movements. Um, and by the time he catches back up to her, she ends up with yet another abusive prick in Washington, D.C., whom Forrest punches handedly, um, but with whom she leaves again on the next morning, regardless. Mm. And before she leaves, she gives her congressional, he gives her his congressional medal of of honor, crediting, crediting her for his. And I don't know if it was a, a medal of honor, um. It was certainly a a bravery citation, and he's given it. It's given to him by the president. Um, But anyway, uh, before she leaves, before she leaves, he gives that to her, um, credits her with his earning it and called her his girl. And she remarks to him, I'll always be your girl before getting on the bus. So yet again, she's leaving, which Mm -hmm. that's, that's her M.O. But this time, instead of saying you don't know what love is, a la Buffalo Bill. Um, instead she's saying, I'll always be your girl, which is like, it's, yeah, it's, it's quite the mixed message, uh, to a guy whom she's already told, you know, you don't know what love is. So like Fisher or cut bait. Um, and I get that she's messed up. Oh, did you, did you, it, find it
0: was, there? it was the medal of honor.
1: Okay, cool. Naturally. So, of course it was.
0: Shame at Christmas. Yeah. yeah right.
1: Uh, but she's still responsible for the manipulations that she perpetrates on a man whose ability to give consent is in question throughout his adult life. I mean, frankly, I don't think they should have recruited him for the army, Mm. Um, but after getting further down the rabbit hole of vicious self-abuse and unhealthy behaviors, Jenny has a rock bottom moment, coke strewn, physically abused and emotionally abused. She nearly ends her life, but instead she steps back from the ledge, seeks to rebuild herself, and this is where her villain turn actually occurs. Prior to this, she's fucked up. She's absolutely fucked up in the head. And she's trying to figure shit out and she's doing a very bad job of it. But at this point she becomes a villain because one day she arrives at Forrest's home unannounced and stays with him for a while. Uh, This is entirely because she needs a safe place to stay. And she knows that he'll give her that because she's always going to be his girl. She sleeps excessively prompting him to remark that it's as if she hasn't slept in years. And every morning they'd walk out uh, outside often and, While he did all the talking, sharing his wars, ping pong, his shrimping tales, and and his own Mm -hmm. mom going to heaven where her mother was stories, Jenny would listen and not offer much else, which is fine, but it is pretty one-sided. And it allows him to think that there's more there than there is. The two do enjoy each other's company for a few more weeks, and Forrest picks flowers for her on the daily, and the two bond over dancing and gifts. And she's clearly found a healing place in herself. And is in a much better place for having been with him, which is lovely. Except remember what I said earlier on, she sees him as a means to an end. And so one evening he proposes to her and she declines, saying, you don't want to marry me. Uh, Now her hesitation prompts him to exclaim, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is, which we've all seen. Right. Before he steps outside. Uh, That night she climbs into bed with Forrest. She tells him that she does indeed love him, which is the first time she admits it out loud she makes love to him for the first time. Uh, the following morning, she leaves in a taxi. There's always a vehicle separating them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's interesting because he goes for a run. Like, it's never a vehicle.
0: Yeah. Him. He's yeah, always
1: yeah. running. Now, they meet again in the 1980s at Jenny's apartment. And finally, she begins to apologize for all the times in the past that she's acted badly toward him uh, as a result of her own personal problems. Now, I do think she genuinely means that she is sorry, but I also think she's still using him and manipulating him. Then she's interrupted by a woman dropping off her little boy, whom she introduces to Forrest, calling Forrest a very good friend from her childhood. The boy runs along to watch TV because Gen X um, and <laughs> Forrest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I feel that so <laughs> yep. hard. Okay. Uh,
1: which means Forrest Gump's son, uh, spoiler alert, it's his kid, uh, yeah. is our age. Yeah. 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 So anyway, she uh she uh Forrest remarks uh, gladly that she became a mama and she tells Forrest that her son is named Forrest Jr. after his daddy. And of course, he asks if she knows another man named Forrest and she replies, no, you're his daddy, Forrest. And that sends him into shock. She assures him he didn't do anything wrong. No shit.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: (laughs) She later reveals to him that she is ill and she's suffering from an unknown virus with no cure. Now, some say it was HIV AIDS and others say it was hepatitis C. Okay. Both of which are sexually transmittable diseases. Okay. And they can be passed on to their child. Okay. And while it was the 1970s, early 1980s, it's entirely true that she put Forrest and her son at risk of contracting said disease. Now, I will allow for ignorance. She did not knowingly do that. But good fucking God. She doesn't reach out to him. She denies him fatherhood and dadhood, both things, until she notices that she's not getting better from being sick. And because he doesn't know any better, to his credit, Forrest asks Jenny and little Forrest to come live with him, where he promises to take care of both of them. Jenny asks Forrest if he'll marry her, and he gladly agrees. And the two marry soon thereafter in a ceremony at the house once owned by Forrest's mother. She's using him all the yeah. way up to the end, um, yeah. and, and maybe that's the best she can do because therapy wasn't quite a thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, D minus at best. Yeah, Um, yeah. He, did, he deserved uh, better. And so yeah. did she honestly, but she was still super abusive toward him. Yeah. So she's okay. by no means a hero.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I will totally go along with that take.
1: I remember being mad at the end of the movie in nineteen ninety four. Um, yeah, well, I, I think a I lot of people 16. were. I, I don't.
0: I don't think. I don't think nobody uh, was at first.
1: Everybody was like, "Oh my god, what a wonderful movie! Look, did you see how he was there for?" It, it was like such a liberal uh, recasting of yeah, the sixties, okay. parodying. You know, sorry, I yeah. broke up your Black Panther party. Like all that shit. Like the yeah tremendous racial politics of the time and the social and gender politics of the time. Absolutely, just glossed over in this. Isn't this charming that he was there at every moment? Kind of shit. And everybody loved it because it was, it was boomer porn. Um, you know, because oh, it was yeah. 94. So a lot yeah. of boomers so were there in their 40s. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. All what right. Got next.
0: Well, um, it was inevitable. Uh, last time we did this, I managed to avoid it, but um, here it is. Uh, hmm. the, the, in the 40K. Uh, oh. reference forty k yep. link. Uh, I'm I'm gonna talk about uh Conrad Kurz And so, I've spoken about several of the Primarchs before, mm-hmm. and this there is twenty one of them. Yes. yes. Uh. Well, twenty, and then and then yeah. there were eighteen. Oh.
1: I thought we discovered that there was a 20th,
0: 21st. Well, there were, there were 20 of them, but the 20th was twins. Right. So 21. yeah. So 21. Okay. Uh, and, and then Give me this, and, this is all I remember. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> and then there were nine and then there were 18 right, or 19. Cause yeah. uh, Cause the, the uh, second and the 11th uh, legions got, got, something happened to them and their primarchs disappeared. And we don't know what, uh, one, one theory of course, is that Laman Russ, the leader of the sixth legion was sent to sanction, two of them Mm sanction in scare quotes. Um, and, and the joke there is, uh, Russ, uh, comes back from having sanctioned one of the two legions. And he says to his brothers, brothers, I have returned to Terra." I completed my mission of eliminating the eleventh legion. And uh his brothers look at him and they blink. They say, um, Russ, the the eleventh legion? Yes, the eleventh legion. The one one legion. Russ, um in in high gothic one one is two.
1: (laughs) Because it's Roman
0: numerals. Right. Oh. Oh, uh, I got to go do a thing. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, um, <laughs> you know, barbarian can't read. So, uh, but he's not who I'm talking about, but I, I had to get that joke out of my system. Um, Conrad Kurz was um, one of the 21
1: mm-hmm.
0: Primarchs. And in his case, when all of the Primarchs got scattered on the, on the solar winds to the, to the distances of the cosmos, he wound up on uh, the planet Nostromo, Mm -hmm. uh, which was shrouded by perpetual night. And in the pitch black darkness of that planet, Um, He found himself uh, without a teacher without a mentor figure without a parent figure to take over. Mm -hmm. Um, He was out essentially surviving on the streets of a hyper violent uh, terrifying urban hellscape under under artificial lighting uh, which was which was unreliable and, and barely there. And his very first encounter, his first conscious encounter with, with humanity was violence and, and the strong preying upon the weak and fear colored everything. Mm -hmm. And over the course of his childhood into his adulthood, he wound up uh, making a name for himself as the night haunter. And he turned Nostromo from a crime ridden hellscape into a very, very carefully law abiding civilization. Because if the night haunter found out that you had violated the law, you would be found rent limb from limb and, and your skin would be a Cape somewhere. And so he, he took the fear Mm-hmm. That that criminals and the gang members and the nobility of the planet used to subjugate the innocence of the society. He took that fear and he weaponized it against the the uh, uh, the criminals themselves.
1: Uh, so, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Is this a, a hero
0: who isn't, or a villain who isn't? This is a villain who isn't. Okay. Because like you're
1: making an apologia for Batman.
0: <laughs> well, that's <laughs> one of the, that, that's because <laughs> Batman is very clearly one of the sources that they took and they went, yeah, let's dial this up to like 20, 11 is not high enough. We're going to, we're going to, because this is Warhammer 40 K and we got to crank everything up way past 11. And so he, he becomes essentially the shadow ruler of Nostromo, And then the emperor shows up and says, all right, all right. You have imposed order on a place that had been utter chaos and you have done it through psychological brute. I mean, it's brute force, psychological manipulation, but it's still psychological manipulation. You have shown yourself. Sure. uh, Capable of, of command of my legions. And he gave him command of a legion and um, the night haunter Uh, became the leader of the night lords okay and in the setting uh, he is a villain because uh, he leaves the planet with his legion bringing bringing some of the natives of the planet and having some of the natives of the planet turned into space marines to join the legion they then head off and they are they are remarkably efficient at capturing worlds after only inflicting a relatively small number of casualties because the way they strike is so terrifying. Sure. That that planets surrender and then eventually, right. the moment you find out that it's the Night Lords in orbit over your planet, you just you just fucking surrender.
1: Right. Admiral Thrawn made good use of this with a cloaking yes. device and yes, vibrator.
0: yes yes uh, fear will keep the outlying systems in line well
1: that was that was the tarkin doctrine yeah, yeah well yes thrawn, i do know thrawn but... used a version of it yeah
0: yeah uh the 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 thrawn doctrine is a is a corollary to mm-hmm. the uh uh you just said Tarkin doctrine Tarkin doctrine yeah. um <clears throat> well so what winds up happening is uh while night haunter Uh, Conrad Kurz is gone the people who he had been keeping under control because they were so terrified of him Mm -hmm. slip back into all of their old habits okay and pretty soon the people that are getting sent to join his legion while it's on crusade are themselves vicious criminals murderers and you know, the, the dregs of society are being turned into space marines and sent off to join his legion, where the psychological warfare he's using mm-hmm. becomes a an excuse for some of the members of his legion to engage in their most sadistic impulses. Okay. Okay. And he returns to his planet to see what has happened in his absence, and um, he winds up basically murdering the rulers of of the planet and then uh, castigates the emperor for allowing him to become the monster that he realizes he is. And he winds up uh, prophesying. One of the other things about uh, Conrad Kurz is he has a psychic gift. He is precognitive. Okay. And he sees that the emperor is going or that someone working for the emperor is going to send an assassin to kill him. Mm -hmm. And he says the very fact that they're going to send an assassin to kill me vindicates me.
1: Right. Right.
0: You know, now, now that I'm, now that I'm, once I'm no longer useful, you know, then, then this is what happens. And, uh, he winds up going after, uh, he, he gleefully joins the war masters, uh, uh, campaign to overthrow the emperor. Sure. And uh, over the course of multiple novels uh, in the horse Heresy series, he becomes kind of the boogeyman amongst the Primarchs. Uh, he and uh, Lionel Johnson particularly wind up having several back and forths, mm-hmm. uh, where Lionel Johnson, who is considered uh, possibly the the best, uh, the most skilled physical warrior. Mm-hmm. Of all of them in, in one-to-one combat winds up repeatedly going after hers, who is always trying to hit him from his blind side and engages in cat and mouse games mm-hmm. and these kinds of things. And he is portrayed as this. Imagine if a serial killer became a Primarch kind of thing. Right. And so they, they the, the depiction is is very much in that vein. Well, but here's the thing. And and this is this is where I'm going to say I don't I don't think he's he's a villain I think the villain here is is the emperor in the first place, uh, just as Kurz says I think he has a meaningful point. Um, you'll notice if you if you uh, listen to his name, his name is Conrad Kurz. Right. Kurz, of course, is the commander of the outpost. Uh, that the protagonist is sent to find in the heart of darkness written by James Conrad. Mm-hmm. And that whole work is an examination of the corruption that happens when someone is removed from society or when one is placed in a position where the rules of uh what conrad considered civilized society are no longer uh no longer enforced right you're being sent out here and and you know all we care is that you send the rubber back and whatever you got to do to do that
1: exterminate you know. the brutes
0: yes yeah and conrad occurs primark of the night lords winds up being stuck in that situation as a, as a, as a literal child with no prior life experience and no socialization of any kind. And so if he's going to make the world a better place, the only way he can make his world a better place is through the tools that he has seen. And so in the end, Again, as it turns out, the bad guy here is the, uh, super psychic from earth who wants to unify the human race by force and doesn't care about how many human beings he kills as long as the race survives because individual life, liberty, and, and, you know, uh, individual rights don't matter, uh, in, in the face of the needs of the species, right. Uh, which is a very, very top-down authoritarian. I'm, I mean, I'm gonna say fascist, even though fascism never gets that big. Right. <laughs> like they're not they're not talking about species scale; they're talking about nation scale. But it's still the same line, mm-hmm. and it's still being used to crush individual liberty. And Kurz, Kurz, was was designed to be a tool in that effort, and hers did what he was designed to do okay so that's that's my that's my villain who who maybe doesn't deserve to be called one okay
1: yeah i I, i'm not fully sold just largely because um you do bad things you're a bad person (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I mean, I I, yeah, I get that. Yeah.
1: But okay, yeah. Um, well, I have another hero who isn't. I think I don't okay. have any more villains who aren't. I think they're just heroes no. who aren't. So. All right, okay. Um, you may have heard of him, Reed Richards.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, we could say moving on, but I'm gonna yeah. you- <laughs>
0: cut Reed Richards a check is yeah. a trope.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so first of all, he's part of the Illuminati, like a founding member of the Illuminati, yeah. Yeah. which why do they even exist? Um, they exist because well, they because want... they know better, exactly. Um, I mean, duh, yeah, like his toxic, brainiac self is already prone to doing anyway. Um, but now <laughs> he's surrounded by powerful enablers that he can cabal with. Um, And while this is awful, he kept his membership to this group secret, even from his
0: wife. Oh, well, he keeps all kinds of shit secret from his wife.
1: Well, and more on that abusive relationship later. Um, But while he's in the Illuminati, he's also part of the decision to banish the Hulk without his consent from Earth. Yeah. Uh, just in time for the Civil War, by the way, which he kind of maybe saw coming. Mm. They also, in secret, traveled to the Skrull homeworld to threaten them into not doing things prior to the Civil War. Uh, this group of super smart secret fools got themselves captured, which, of course, allowed the Scrolls to study and perfect their duplication of humanity, which leads to the secret invasion. All right. Um, so that's the Illuminati piece. I could talk about how he's part of the Council of Reed is. Like, because the Illuminati is too stupid. So then he meets with the extra galactic group of all the Reed Richardses and all the other dimensions. Yeah. Dimensions. Okay.
0: Extra dimensional.
1: Um, Yeah. And at one point he decides he has to kill them all.
0: So, okay, wait. So you're telling me, you're telling me that the gag in Rick and Morty about the council of Ricks is like, yes, they, okay.
1: Yep. hundred percent. Okay.
0: All right. Yeah,
1: at one point, he uh, self-diagnoses. Hold
0: yes. hold on. Hold on. Sure, Wait, sure. stop. Okay. So Reed Richards. Yes. Reed Richards. That guy. Form, like, realizes that there are, you know, many, 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 many versions of him from multiple dimensions. hmm And he decides at one point he has to kill them all. Yes. Isn't that the storyline for Kang the Conqueror?
1: You know who is a direct descendant of Reed Richards?
0: Because time travel, of course. All right. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. okay, good. There, yeah. that's all right. So he's just comes naturally. Yep. All right. Yep. Cool. So, so carry on. Yeah.
1: Like, I, I. It just astounds me that, like, no, it doesn't astound me actually. It just, if I were Reed Richards, <laughs> I would have sex with as many of the other me's as possible. Okay. You know. That's what I would do. I wouldn't think okay. I got to kill all these fuckers because they're clearly dangerous because they're like me. I'd be like, they know what I like. They know what I want. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. We we've established that you you lean more in the direction of Bonobo than Chim. Yes. So yes. there, it's just that's that's Absolutely. the difference. Is Reed, yeah. Reed Richards is one hundred and ten percent Chim. No, he's and like three hundred percent Bonobo. Yeah. <laughs> He's chimp implies cooperation. Baboon is
1: I'm in charge, fucker.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And he has a tail. Yeah. So yeah. Okay.
1: So now so that's that's all awful. He also at one point uh a friend of the show, uh Gabriel Cruz pointed out he self diagnosed himself as having autism and then sought to cure it in his son. So he Jenny McCarthy'd. Um so that's awful. Mm. Uh, but that didn't even make my list really. Um because I'd written out this this list about Reed Richards prior to talking with prior Gabriel about realizing that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um he let, let's go piece by piece through the Fantastic 4. Uh he treats Ben Grimm in equal parts sad and awful ways. Um he feels guilty for Ben's condition. Yeah, because Ben can't pass for human in any way. But he also legit has a chance to let Ben be Ben again and early on. And instead of taking it and doing without Ben's enhanced might, Reed decides to choose against Ben's actual wishes to rethinkify him in their efforts to take back the Baxter building from Dr. Doom.
0: Wow. Over, yeah. over a building. Yeah. Like it's not even, we got to save the world. Right. Right. This is not okay
1: by any stretch. Wow. Eh. Eh. He also totally belittles Ben the whole time, and to a lesser extent, Johnny, repeatedly throughout their time together, and he uh, verbally and psychologically abuses them while they're working for him.
0: Oh, well, yeah.
1: Yeah. So now let's talk about how he treats his wife. He's abusive as fuck. Um... (laughs) he demeans her in front of people. He demeans her privately. Um, he actually strikes her at one point. Uh, here's a few quotes. And before I start, I won't actually enter into evidence the time that he antagonized her to snap her out of her malice personality. Okay. Cause I don't think that's genuinely abusive given the specificity of the malice personality and how it was kind of working its way through her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, But same thing with the the times that they were possessed or otherwise not in their right minds. I don't I don't think you can Mm -hmm. uh, attack him for that. And frankly, I don't need to because I've got tons of other shit that he said to her when both of them were sober. Uh, So, for instance, she's mentioning that she needs to clean up after a battle, right? Number one, he hasn't made all the fucking Roombas. Uh, Number two, uh, he says, just so long as you do it silently. You're still married. Try it.
0: What? (laughs) What? Right? No, man. Yeah. Like... Wow.
1: At one point, she warns him not to get too close to the danger um, because it's a a man writing her. Um, And he says, quote, stop sounding like a wife and find me that gun, lady. Uh. Here's, here's another quote that I really like. I've been a blind and considerate fool, but I'm going to make up for it. I want you to buy a whole new wardrobe and then you and I will do the town like it's never been done before. Like, seriously? Like, just be shitty to her and then buy her new stuff. Like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It it I mean, one. that's that's some high level abuse shit. Yeah. Bro. And also, you got to get a new one because I don't want to go out without you. Or I don't want to go out with you and your old shit. Mm. That's the implication as well. But then, quote, darling, I don't know what to say. Fine, wives should be kissed and not heard. That's her response to what he just offered, and that's his response.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of this, uh huh, is sixties. Yeah. Part of this, part of this is. Who was doing the writing, when it was being done, and who oh, the yeah. audience, the intended, the intended audience, audience was. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, I mean, there's that. But, wow. Yeah. Just, like, even by the standard of the day, that's pretty right. really fucked up.
1: Now, after they've been married for a while, they have kids, and she's ready to leave them again. And she says, quote, I love our son as much as you do, as much as anyone could. But in the heat of battle, you didn't think of me as a member of the team, not even as a wife only as the mother of your child. I won't accept that read. Not now, not ever. So until you feel you can treat me as an equal, I've made up my mind. I'm taking little Franklin and I'm leaving. Leaving you, leaving the Fantastic Four. Okay, his response to that. At least that way our son will get a little attention. And he doesn't let up. She responds by telling him a few things on her way out the door, which he interrupts and says, don't talk it to death lady. If you're going to go, then go. She's about to dissolve his family because he won't treat her like an equal and he's barking orders to her and not giving a shit about his kid. Yeah. Um. Another time before they were actually married, Reed uh, Richard says this to his then fiance quote, just like a woman everything i do is for your own good but you're too scatterbrained and emotional to realize it well all right i can play it your two your way too miss storm so that's that's the interpersonal relationship part
0: has uh has sue ever ever spoken to uh uh she hulk about uh seeking out uh shelter or her,
1: you know, there was opportunity (laughs) to when she Hulk joined the fantastic four, but I never saw that scene. So Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now what gets me, what, what always gets me is, is the fact that he created a secret prison for people who didn't divulge their identity during the civil war, Mm -hmm. right? The negative zone prison, which was instrumental in sending superheroes to a prison in another dimension without trials as part of his deluded sense of the importance of following an unjust law. Um, And he even said, even if it's unjust, we have to wait for it to work its way through before we can, you know, you know, change it. So lawful asshole. Um, Yeah. mm. He, he has this really good heart to heart uh, with uh, Spider-Man in the negative zone talking about his uncle who got McCarthy. And he basically came down on the wrong side of that. And Spider Man <laughs> straight up, he's like, Yeah, my uncle should have just turned, man. Like, he, it fucking ruined his life. He should have just turned. And it's like, It shouldn't have happened, bro. Like, and what's interesting was, um, Spider Man actually says to him, You know, I think I would have liked your uncle, but you loved him. As in, like, Hey, man, you're fucked.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: At one no. point, he also turned a bunch of scrolls into cows and just left. And just they were cows from then on out. they're trapped as cows. They end up, of course, getting eaten. um, and the people, the biker gang that eats them ends up being really good scroll hunters because apparently you can see scrolls if you've consumed them. It's weird. but like he straight up turned them into cows. What the fuck would he think was gonna happen to cows? Like we eat hamburger. Like that's a thing. And and he was just like, yeah, they're cows now. We can ignore that forever. Um Reed Richards. That's
0: that's like that's like Dungeons and Dragons wizard level thinking. I can yeah. just polymorph them, they're not a problem anymore. Moving on. Right. On to the next random yeah. encounter. Absolutely.
1: Like um okay. I have the wizard to go match wits with or some shit. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it's
1: it's bizarre he's all about ultimately violating consent because he knows best. Like that time that he cloned Thor without Thor knowing, which ended up killing Bill Foster, who was a very good friend of Ben Grimm's. Yeah. And also a guy who didn't get a fair trial before being executed by Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. Uh, He literally killed a man and a friend through his own creation based on another friend's unwitting DNA contribution. Yeah. Um, and this, above all else, is the shit that Lex Luthor would look at it and go. I, I mean, I guess. Uh, doesn't it seem a little evil to you, though? Like,
0: yeah, that's that's maybe dial it back there, bro. Right, pull it pull it yeah. back,
1: man. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's that's Reed Richards. So, who you got?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I, I am. I, am, I don't have anybody right now. My well, my well has run dry.
1: All right. Then I, I will take this opportunity to take on Jack Shepard from Lost then.
0: Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm taking on Lost's Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Literally, Jack Shepard. Yeah. yeah, And yeah, uh-huh. his dad, Christian Shepard.
0: All right. Yeah.
1: Now, I, I got to tell you. I love Lost. I have always loved Lost. Um, I want to watch it again all the way through, but that's a hell of a commitment. The protagonist in Lost is a villain similar to Rick Grimes, though. Um, He does what he thinks needs to happen, but he does it regardless of other people's will. And he does that repeatedly. And at first it absolutely made sense. Everybody knew basically the same amount of shit. And he took some liberties. He absolutely did because he didn't want them to panic. And people saw him as a leader and he kept things from them because he didn't want to crush their hope because, you know, we got to keep hope alive because it might be a little while till they find us. Um, And he knew in that early post crash time that hope would keep a few people alive, like specifically Rose. Right. Shannon yeah. is actually a good example, too. Um, the the hot blonde gal.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and I'm fine with most of that, to be perfectly honest. Um, and then his alliances of convenience, his failed attempts at playing the long game, uh, even his emotional inconsistency and borderline abuse with Kate. I'm actually kind of cool with all that, too, because he's going through shit at the same time. They're all damaged people who've trauma bonded, which is relying on old programming in a new world. I'm pretty cool with that. Um, he's, he's quick to trust, but at the same time, he's quick to rescind that trust when someone else slips up, um, Locke, Kate, Boone, Charlie, fucking Ben, even, uh, pretty much all the white folks plus Anna Lucia, uh, fine. I get it. Um, he's got daddy issues, trust issues, and I don't think that Jack should be flawless. That's not the point of lost. Everyone's flaws were made manifest to them by the island. Everybody dealt with those flaws in different ways. And in many ways, the Island was their chance to discover themselves. Uh, Locke was frankly no better, um, but Jack's insistence on keeping a moral center while constantly untethering himself from that same moral center due to his incomplete understanding of what was going on. That led to some pretty hard, harmful situations for everyone else on the Island. Um, So kind of a problem there. But for me, it's actually really early on when he crosses the line uh, it's when he gets to the point where he sanctions torture that I start to struggle. So in the first mm. season, uh, he does anguish before, during, and after it. And that's that's good growth, and he shows some contrition. But then, and here's where he, like from here on out, it's like, okay, well, he might do good things from time to time, but he's by no means a good man. Um, he has Sawyer tortured, right? Because Sawyer sure. manipulates him actually, and, and this is a really good scene, and it's, it's really good television, but he has Sawyer tortured. After Sawyer is tortured, uh, he ends up getting stabbed in the arm by a knife uh accidentally, but, like, that wound damn near kills Sawyer, and so okay. Jack wraps it and binds it and stuff like that, but now you've got a wound on an island and shit's dirty, right? Mm-hmm. So Sawyer needs meds. He needs, um, what do you call them? Antibiotics. Antibiotics. Yeah and yeah. and Jack has all the antibiotics and he has mm. all the antibiotics and here's what he does with them he threatens to withhold them from Sawyer as a way to for Sawyer the problem with that in addition to you know you're manipulating somebody through mm. the threat of death is yeah. that Sawyer wouldn't have needed those fucking meds if Jack hadn't san- sanctioned the torture in the first place yeah so everything after that, everything after that is a deeply flawed man trying to do the right thing from time to time. But the fact that he chose, he actively chose, soberly chose that that path, he has been a villain ever since that moment. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's All Jack right. from Lost. So. Now.
0: Yeah
1: there's um it's compelling
0: yeah yeah you know, i don't know torture, i don't know if you tortures a pretty lost. bright line
1: yeah yeah um even even the man who did the torturing saeed um i think he actually uh is not a villain <laughs> mm. even though he did the torturing mm-hmm. um and i say you know you do bad things you're a bad person he absolutely does all he can to make up for and show contrition for and show growth from mm-hmm. uh, jack uses it as a tool Uh, it's just not not okay
0: yeah
1: um i think the very last thing i want to do is actually i'm not going to defend this guy um i want to i want to address killmonger because a lot of people um think killmonger is actually a hero or that he was right okay and he was not i think killmonger from the black panther was a villain and he was portrayed as a villain um but he was a villain specifically because he, he manipulated things into repeating the colonial traumas that he was complaining about. Um, and what I mean here is that he used black liberation rhetoric in order to get himself justification and legitimacy to gain power and then turn around and do exactly what he was accusing all the colonizers of doing and rightly accusing them of doing. And yeah, then he went ahead and did it. He toppled the head of a state, he took it yeah. over, he instilled his own sense of order. He got rid of the traditions once they had served their purpose to him. He then began to extract wealth from that place immediately, um, and then started using that wealth as a means to attack other places. Everything that he did, uh, was to expand his reach. Um, everything that he did was British, yeah. So he's not a villain because he hated T'Challa. No, he's a villain because he co-opted the language of liberation while continuing the tradition of the British. So he's a villain who stayed a villain. But a lot of people want to paint him as a hero because the stuff he said made sense. And it's like, yes, but he's using that as a scutcheon. He's using that as a veneer to stretch across uh, the, the, um, the villainy that he's doing.
0: Yeah, the language that he's using is righteous. The actions he's undertaking are exactly villainous. the same as yeah. what. Yeah, he's they're they're a repetition of of the same sins.
1: Yeah. yeah, and he killed a fuck ton of people to get to that point. Like, he yeah, murdered his way into power.
0: Yeah, so, yeah.
1: So, anyway, I think uh, right. I think that's a, a good place to leave it. Actually, um, I think so. Short and sweet and to the point. And uh Yeah. That's a it's a lot of heroes and villains. So that is cool. Anything you want to reflect upon or glean from any of this?
0: Well, um just that we can we can do this. Part of this is a framing exercise. Yes. And I think it's I think it would be worthwhile if critics and uh, people who talk about media Mm -hmm. would play this game a little more often Mm. Um, because I think there is value in shifting the, the framing that you're using to look at a particular thing and, and, you know, uh, replacing the the gels that you're using for color in a scene, you yeah, know, yeah, uh, as as a different analogy see for it, in through. order to, yeah. yeah, to see what what other things what, what becomes highlighted and what and what disappears, you know, um, just because I think as a society we are woefully unpracticed. In doing number one, doing critical thinking, like as a, as a, as a society, we don't do enough of it. Um, yeah. We, we take, we take what we get fed and, and build our, our opinions and our, and our outlooks on that. Number one. And number two, there is a level of empathy involved. Mm hmm in in the exercise you know yeah. yeah um and in the end you can come you can wind up coming down on the side of well no you know what there's an argument there but no still a bad guy right or well you know sometimes situations are complex still a good guy but exerting the effort to think about it and talk about it is is exercise for parts of thinking Mm-hmm. That enable us to, to be more empathetic. And I think we have a dearth of empathy in our discourse right now. I'm
1: dearth is a shortage. A lack. Yes. Okay. I always confuse that one with um the other word. <laughs> I forget what the other word is.
0: Yeah. yeah. But yeah but yeah, yeah we, okay. we have yeah. there is yeah there there is a lack of empathy in our discourse
1: which is interesting because uh as we've discussed in another podcast uh fairly recently but i don't uh, it, it hasn't dropped yet um but as we've discussed in another podcast like it's interesting because uh, people's sensibilities and the the this bothers me aspect of their personalities kind of what's mm-hmm. up front yeah so you would think there would be more empathy since people are like putting that up front
0: yeah and yet but an awful lot of that is being done um as a as a way of talking at other Mm -hmm. people rather than talking with other people
1: yeah yeah it's it's almost like self-declaring instead of very much yeah 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 it's shouting don't step on my toes
0: Pretty much, yeah, Instead which like, is which is a valid thing to say. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. I'm not, we, we not spent, trying to take away from that. Yeah, but.
1: we spent plenty of time with people's toes getting stomped and nobody noticing. Yeah. So did I ever tell you the time when I was a freshman in high school I went on a mission trip to Mexico? No. With an evangelical group?
0: W- what? Yeah. Okay.
1: So I didn't know that much Spanish yet. And some of it that I knew, I, I confused. So lo siento means I am sorry. I yes. feel for that, right? Yes. Uh, I had misheard how to apologize. So I stepped oh, on no. a kid's foot and I turned to him. And I said, no sientes, which means you don't feel that. <laughs> <laughs> it was effectively not <laughs> empathetic, but I was <laughs> trying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no Santa, no Santa. you didn't i you know i just i love the construction of that you didn't feel that right it's just so that sounds like what yes, that sounds lady. like what an older sibling would say after they whack somebody with a with a wiffle bat right you, no, did, you didn't you didn't feel don't that. tell mom yeah. don't tell mom <laughs> like, you didn't feel that right it didn't happen
1: you're okay you're okay you're
0: okay <laughs> it's only a little blood you're okay yeah. yeah yeah walk it off walk it off so
1: but, yeah, you, what you you know we we lack empathy in our discourse, yeah. well, sometimes we lack it on accident, uh, yeah well it's <laughs> granted so uh but yeah, I, I think it's interesting that um, you know, at a time where we need to people very clearly need to declare, hey, don't step on my fucking toes because somebody walked by before and said, you don't feel that mm-hmm. uh, and uh you know, and I think that was happening culturally in a yeah in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, camera phones have made it so people actually have to at least agree that black people are being brutalized by the police. Yeah. I mean, they'll still come up with all the mental gymnastics, all as the, all the okay,
0: rationalizations. Yeah.
1: But at least it's 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 much harder than just saying no, it's not. That's just overblown. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's interesting at the time where we need more empathy. Uh, to I don't know, have everybody wear masks. Yeah. Um we Get vaccinated. We have people declaring their major uh of being really bothered by things, but nobody like is taking that next step and being like, Okay, well these people over here are shouting about their toes. You should probably walk maybe, a little wider around. Maybe maybe
0: think about that. Yeah. Right. So
1: all right, well, uh what you reading?
0: um let's see a renegade history of the united states Mm -hmm. um by russell teague if i'm Mm -hmm. remembering the name correctly i think that's right um yeah that's my that's my book recommendation right now i like it how about you
1: uh john brown abolitionist the man who killed slavery sparked the civil war and ceded civil rights uh by david s reynolds nice um, it's got one of my favorite pictures of John Brown in it. It's called yeah. the insanity picture. Um, it's him prior to having a beard. And keep in mind how long it took for the the, the photo to take, et cetera, et mm-hmm. cetera. Oh, yeah. Well, the flash had clearly like blown or something. And so they're like, he's kind of bulging his cheek out and squinting an eye. Um, and that's the image that it captured. So it's it's the one that people often would use to show how unstable he was. Uh, when in fact he wasn't unstable at all, it just, it's, you know, yeah. 1800s photography needs, needs a little bit deeper of an explanation. Um, but, uh, it's also, it's just a really good book. It's thick, um, but it's, it's okay. real good. So that's, that's what I will recommend. All right. All right. Um, hmm. where can people find you social media wise?
0: I can be found on social media as, uh, eh Blaylock on Twitter as Mr. Underscore Blaylock on TikTok. And we collectively can be found on Twitter as geek history time on the internet. We are findable. if That's a word at Mm www.geekhistorytime.com. And of course you're listening to us. And like I say, every time I I do this part of our broadcast, uh, you have found us either on our website or on Stitcher or on the Apple podcast app. Wherever you did, please subscribe. Give us the five stars that you know we have earned. And where can you be found, sir? Uh,
1: For this one, I'm just going to tell people uh, if you get to this before December 2nd, go to Luna's in Sacramento on December 2nd with $10 and a vaccination card. Um, If you don't, if you get it after December 2nd, then go to Luna's on January 6th with a uh, vaccination card and $10. So All right, that's that's where I'm gonna send you for capital punishment. Uh, Sounds good. Me and my capital punishment crew—it's been going for six and a half years now, uh, and just spinning that wheel and slinging those puns. It, it is a fun, fun show. You owe it to yourself to go.
0: Very cool. Yeah.
1: Well, for Geek History of Time, I am Evil Damian Harmony,
0: and I'm Evil Ed Blaylock. So until next time, keep rolling ones.